everyone, and welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, and this is my first solo episode, so I am both excited and really nervous. Um, my co-host decided to pursue other adventures, and I wish him the best of luck. I wanted to continue the show. I didn't want to quit because I knew I'd regret it in the end. So for now, I'm just going to go solo, and we'll see where things go from there. I will continue to focus on horror history and how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And I will plan to continue my focus on psychology and mental health and how horror movies reflect mental health in any way. So sorry if you hear any papers rustling. I got all my notes in front of me. So before I actually get into the movie, I just wanted to say something really quick. I wanted to focus on horror reflecting history because as I was writing my thesis paper back in 2018 called The Thrill of Being Scared, I noticed that horror movies tend to reflect society's fears, especially in the decade they were made in. And I just kind of stumbled upon that during my own research for this paper. And it just intrigued me and I found it quite interesting. And ever since then, whenever I watch a horror movie, I start to pick up on those things. And also horror history ties in with psychology. So people's fears and anxieties can alter their perspectives, behaviors, and thought process which is how mental um, health affects people. When you suffer from a mental health disorder, it can affect everything in your life, including your perspectives, how you see things, behaviors, and thought process, your thought process. So that's why I like the idea of horror and history is because it ties in with psychology. I also wanted to focus on psychology and mental health because one, if you can't tell by my voice, I suffer from mental illness myself. Um, I have depression, anxiety, and BDD, which is body dysmorphic disorder. And I wanted to be able to talk freely about this issue. Also, um, I feel that this is an issue that is reflected in horror movies in many ways, from characters, metaphors, symbolism, color schemes, and so on. This is something that horror does not shy away from, but makes the viewer face it. This isn't something that should be shamed. It's something that needs to be acknowledged and understood, which is why I wanted to bring this aspect into the podcast in the beginning and still do. So tying the two together, it gives us a better understanding on how these movies don't shy away from these issues. They don't shy away from showing the viewer what's really going on in the world and making them face it and embrace it. So I just wanted to say that really quick. So I'm actually going to continue the 1940s trope just because I found a movie that I've been wanting to see, and it was only 62 minutes, and it's 1940, The Ape, directed by William Nye. It's starring Boris Karloff as Dr. Bernard Adrian, Maris Rickson as Frances Clifford, Jean O'Donnell as Danny Foster, Dorothy Vaughn as Mother Clifford, Gertrude Hoffman as Jane the Housekeeper, Henry Hall as Sheriff Jeff Holliday, and Selmer Jackson as Dr. McNulty. So within the horror history, we got like the fear of science, the fear of experimentation or experimenting on people, fear of scientists, um, fear of the other and the outsider. It also um, kind of started this like mad scientist trope, which I'll, I'll go into later. Psychology and mental health, we got guilt, grief, a descent into madness. There's fixation, obsession, a lot of metaphors. There's loss of humanity and loss of morality. So basically, the movie's plot is Dr. Adrian is a scientist looking to cure a young woman's paralysis by using human spinal fluid. 
and he is determined to cure this girl by any means necessary, even if it means killing people by using an escaped circus ape as a means to do so. And you'll find out why again. So um, one thing in the 40s I noticed, again, during research was that mad scientist tropes kind of started coming out. Um, like mad scientist movies, experimentation on humans started to come out along with these werewolf themed movies. And both of these subjects actually reflected on World War II, Hitler and the Holocaust and Nazi Germany. So I'm just going to read you a little bit of my essay to kind of explain that a little bit more. Along with werewolf movies, mad scientist-themed horror movies started coming out in the 1940s. During World War II, many experiments were being done on humans, especially the Jews during the Holocaust. Hitler was trying to play God. So many of these mad scientist movies were a way to show the dangers of this kind of scientific ambition, and with the downfall of the scientists at the end of the movie, shows they were not God. This frightened people. People were afraid of being taken away and experimented on, and horror movies started to reflect that fear. Mad scientist movies became popular because being experimented on was a real fear of society, especially for the Jewish community. And with Hitler trying to play God, these movies showed the ugly truth of scientific experimentation and what happens when one person tries to play God or when one tries to play God. So that's why the mad scientist trope kind of started coming out also was another reflection of society's fears, which was, again, you know, everything of World War II and Nazi Germany and Hitler. So, like I said, this movie is about a man, Dr. Adrian, who is looking for the cure for a paralysis epidemic that's been going on. So the first thing I want to talk about is why. Why is Dr. Adrian doing these experimentations? Why is he so determined to cure Francis' paralysis or cure the disease in general? First off, we got guilt and grief over the death of his own daughter and wife. He is determined to save Francis because she reminds him of the daughter that he lost. and. If you think about it as a doctor and a scientist, he feels he should have saved them, but he couldn't. So that definitely put, you know, a damper and, you know, on his mental health. Um, this is a man basically riddled with grief and guilt over losing these loved ones. And again, the fact that being a doctor and scientist couldn't save them, you know, he's going to do everything in his power to save his, quote, make-believe daughter. And this is made clear in a scene towards the beginning when we're first introduced to Francis. So Dr. Adrian goes to see Francis and he gives her a necklace. And she mentions that, oh, you gave me a, you know, a present for my birthday last month. And then he goes, oh, so I did. Well, this is a make-believe birthday, just as you were my make-believe daughter. And he goes on to say she'd been 18 today. She was to have worn that, the necklace. I couldn't save her and I couldn't save her mother. I hadn't the weapons to fight the disease that killed them, but I have now, or at least I've got the knowledge of them. 10 years it's taken. Francis, you're going to walk again. So this shows that the reason why is because, again, he feels guilty that he couldn't save his own family and he lost them to this disease. And of course, again, he's grieving the loss of these people. So we got the why, which kind of makes him a little bit of like a sympathetic character. Um, again, I'm going to go more into some of these things. I also feel that this movie shows his descent into madness. I do not believe he was mad before. He was just a man looking for a cure, driven to save lives. So this whole piece I'm going to talk about right now is kind of his descent into madness. And I want to kind of pinpoint different aspects on how he kind of went from point A, uh, you know, a doctor just trying 
to cure this disease to a mad scientist obsessed with curing this disease. So his drive kind of turns into fixation because he's so determined to cure Francis. Again, he couldn't save his loved ones, his wife and daughter. And this kind of like realization is fixation starts when he discovers the cure is within human spinal fluid. And he even writes out this little note that you see where he basically states that human spinal fluid will kind of attempt to help, you know, Francis's condition by means of spinal injections. So you kind of see that he's found the cure and now he's ready to go. I think the trigger, like kind of what sets him off and makes him snap into that actual descent is when he sees his vial of spinal fluid break. So there's a scene um, right after the ape escapes the circus after mauling its trainer, it breaks into Dr. Adrian's house and causes this ruckus. And as he's talking to his housekeeper, Jane, the vial actually rolls off the table and breaks in front of him. And he sees his cure his discovery is just shattered all over the floor. So it's kind of metaphorically and symbolically showing that his hopes and dreams just shattered in front of his eyes. This is the cure. This is what's going to save Francis. And he just lost it all. So Dr. Adrian actually ends up killing the mall trainer. The people from the circus bring him to Dr. Adrian to help him. And instead of saving him, he kills him and harvests his spinal fluid. And this is kind of where, like, you see him sort of start his transformation from, you know, the good doctor to, like, the villain, the mad scientist. And at the same time, this is where he starts to lose his humanity and lose his morality. And he actually decides to skin, kill and skin the ape and wear its hide in order to commit murder to harvest the spinal fluid. And he goes out and kills his next victim while wearing the ape suit, and it's this guy, Mason, that apparently is not a well-liked man. There's a, again, there's a scene to kind of talk about that, um, where these men are at the store talking, and one guy is like, poor Mason, I feel sorry for his widow. Eh, she's better off. Aw, uh, that ain't funny when a man's been clawed to death. I didn't like him when he was alive, and I don't see any reason to like him when he's dead. And they even kind of mention that, like, he's, that the people that the ape is, quote, killing are people that aren't well liked. The trainer was very abusive to the ape itself, and Mason was not a very nice man. You actually see him cheating on his wife in the movie. So now he's kind of descending into his madness, and he's killing in the name of science. He's on this, like, downward spiral. You can see, like, the shift into madness. The no turning back point, again, is after Dr. Adrian has this conversation with Francis's boyfriend um you kind of see where he no longer really cares about Francis he cares about the cure he cares about finding this cure he's so determined to find the cure it doesn't matter how he hurts Francis and Danny basically is just saying you know I don't want you going in there I'm scared for what you're doing to her and Dr. Adrian is like, well, don't you want her to live a normal life like other people? And Danny flat out says, no, like, I love her for who she is. I can take care of her. I don't want you experimenting on her anymore. And Dr. Adrian again goes like, Danny, if through her I could rid the world of, and Danny cuts him off and goes, I'm not in love with the world. I'm in love with her. I get it. She's just a guinea pig to you. You got to stop hurting her. And then Dr. Adrian kind of like sidetracks him and is like, well, have you been to your garage today? And he goes, no, I ain't. 
I've been too worried. And Dr. Adrian goes, well, take care of your cars and I'll take care of my patients. Now you run along. So here we see that, yes, the doctor kind of cares about Francis, but it seems like he cares more about finding the cure over what's best for Francis. He doesn't even care about Danny's feelings or what he's telling him. It's almost like now he must prove himself, show everyone that he is right no matter what it does to Francis or if he hurts Francis in any way. He is so determined to find this cure. It doesn't matter, you know, Francis is now, you know, like Danny said, the guinea pig. And his determination and fixation has now started to shift into that obsession mode. Um, there's a character called Dr. McNulty that starts to catch on that Dr. Adrian actually used to work for the Robinson Foundation, but he was let go because of his unorthodox ways of using spinal fluid. Dr. Adrian then proves that his theory is correct and that it actually works when he takes Dr. McNulty to see Francis. And now that he sees that the experiment works, Dr. McNulty sees that it works. He wants Dr. Adrian to come back to the foundation. So now it's almost like his madness has been justified. All that he is doing in the name of science, the killing, the harvesting of spinal fluid, the injections on Francis, no matter how much pain she's in, his methods have been validated. And in his mind, because he's saving lives, killing a few is okay because it's that idea of like killing a few to save the many is kind of in his mind. And again, like I said, he just got validated. His you know, methods just got validated by this man. So this, again, is kind of another turning point where he's like, I must continue what I'm doing. I must continue killing. I must continue harvesting the spinal fluid. So because of this descent into madness, this determination, again, has, again, I just said, shifted to an obsession, which is also where he's he's losing his humanity and he's losing his morality. Dr. Adrian has to start learning like manipulation and how to be cunning and he has to be, have quick thinking if anyone ever talks to him about it to, he's got to take the heat off of him if anyone actually comes to question him about it he's got to think fast find an explanation and redirect the person's attention in another direction in a very short period of time he cannot hesitate he has to think of something in a split second and there's again this is shown in a scene where the sheriff comes to see Dr. Adrian and he talks about how his dogs have been sniffing ape and it's been making him go crazy and that they've been sniffing around Dr. Adrian's house and he doesn't know why. And they bark at Dr. Adrian a lot and he goes, oh, well, maybe I have some chemical odors on my clothes that offended them. And the sheriff's like, no, I don't think that's it. It's, you know, nothing's offended them before. And then Dr. Adrian very quickly goes, oh, I, I know what it is. And he goes, and has Jane, the um, housekeeper, go grab the trainer's mall jacket. And he goes, oh, well, this coat was worn by the trainer when he was mauled by the ape, and it's been in the house ever since. Now, that perhaps might explain the interest of the ape in the house and your dogs and me because that trainer's jacket. And he very quickly thought of that, like in a split second, took that heat right off of him, and the sheriff believed him. So again, this is... um showing his like I said I think this is movies shows a lot about his descent into madness it's not really like a mad scientist you see the shift from the doctor to the mad scientist and then so in the end like Dr. Adrian's driven mad by obsession determined to save Francis cure her 
and help her walk again. He basically dons the ape suit one last time in the finale. This is the ending to, you know, again, harvest his spinal fluid. And he attacks one of the sheriff's men, which in turn, he gets stabbed and shot and crawls up to his house. And they unmask him and find out that it's Dr. Adrian. And right before he dies, he sees Francis walk. She gets up out of her wheelchair and she starts to walk towards him. So he dies achieving his goal. It's almost like, again, his madness and his killing has all been justified. It wasn't for nothing. He cured the girl. So overall, I'm just going to say very quickly, this movie is about a man driven by guilt and grief over the death of his wife and daughter to find a cure for paralysis. He is focused on a young woman who reminds him of his own daughter and is determined to cure her since, again, he couldn't cure his own family, even though he's a doctor and a scientist. His drive turns to obsession, which triggers his descent into madness and his loss of humanity and loss of morality. When he dons an ape suit to kill people in order to harvest their spinal fluid, which in turn causes his ultimate demise. So that's basically the, the movie. And that's all the things I really wanted to touch base on when it comes to the movie. Um, I did want to read a couple of little reviews because I always like to read the reviews before I do the podcast just to kind of, I don't know, it's just something I like to do. So Horror Film History said that Doctor is a foreigner and one of the reasons he is rejected by his neighbors, the adults voice their mistrust while the kids throw rocks, is because they identify him as the other, clinging to strong ideas that don't chime with their own limited understanding. And you do see that right from the beginning that he is looked at as an outsider, as an outcast. You know, he moved there from somewhere else and therefore can't be trusted which again is another theme and another fear that you see in a lot of movies uh kevin lyon said proof positive that there were some films that not even the great boris karloff could save the ape is utterly ludicrous from beginning to end and is only partially redeemed by the dignity that karloff brings to the film more in fact than the film deserves classichorror.com by nick and this was written by nick yap says one thing to admire about Boris Karloff is that no matter how dreary the film, and the ape is hardly the dreariest film he's ever taken part in, he always appears completely dignified and never gives less than his absolute best. And I definitely have to agree with the last two. Um, Boris Karloff definitely carries this movie. He makes the movie worth watching for his performance alone. He gives 100% and just has a presence about him. You know, no, the movie isn't the greatest. It's kind of shot weird. Um, the editing is really odd. The story isn't the strongest. And in all honesty, doesn't make the most sense. But Boris Karloff gives it his all. So it's totally worth the watch just for his performance alone. So I really think if you're listening, you should go out and watch this movie just to see his performance because he is just amazing in any part that's given to him. And again, uh, so on that note, I will always try to find something I like in any horror movie I watch. Even the quote bad ones or the quote horrible remakes. I love them all. And I look at it as this was someone's hard work, someone's dream. It was their vision. And I will not crap on it. I will always find something enjoyable in every horror movie I watch. I may, some, I may say that some horror movies are overrated, but you will very rarely, if at all, hear me say a horror movie was awful. 
And even though a lot of people say this movie was terrible, it was awful, it was Boris Karloff's worst performance, I say I enjoyed it for Boris Karloff alone. He's worth watching this movie. So if you are listening, I think you should give 1940s The Ape a chance. It's only 62 minutes. It's a very short film. It definitely covers a lot of the, you know, society spheres of the 1940s. You know, it talks about experimentation and, you know, scientific ambition and, you know, what happens to someone when they take the turn from, you know, basically being human, switching to this mad scientist, all because they just become obsessed with the cure or curing someone instead of the person they're taking care of. It's more important to develop this cure and cure people, even if it means killing in the name of science. So again, I think this movie's worth the watch. Um, I hope I tackled everything. Again, this is my first solo episode, so I apologize if I sound shaky or scared because I am shaky and scared right now because I'm nervous about holding the show up by myself, but I'm giving it a go and I'm going to continue this and I don't want to stop because I love talking about horror movies. I love talking about how they reflect history and I absolutely love picking out the mental health and psychology and seeing how they reflect, you know, those aspects in any way. So I'm going to wrap it up now because I'm rambling on and I'm getting nervous again and my anxiety is kicking in. So thank you everyone for joining me here today on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin. I hope you enjoyed my first solo show. Again, thank you for sticking around and listening to me. I appreciate all of you. And I just want to remind everyone that there is a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you.